Hi everyone and welcome to Leukemia Chatters, a podcast about blood cancer from Leukemia Care. It's the Christmas edition, as people watching can see, hopefully. Feeling Christmassy. (laughs) 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 Um, Today I'm joined um, by Zach, as usual. Hello. Sam. Hello. Who you met on the last podcast. And today's new edition is Nick. Hello. Um, so Nick uh, is a CLL patient, but also uh, works here at LC as the <laughs> patient advocacy and healthcare liaison officer. Well done. <laughs> so glad I got that right. I was that, that was the one thing I was going I like over and over in my head. Name. Yes. Or as he likes to be known, Paolo. Paolo. Yeah. So it's been a busy year. I think it's fair to say for leukemia care. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Glad we all agree on that. Um, so it's been our 50th year as a charity since we registered in 1969. Um, so we're doing, I, I can't even remember what we did at the beginning of the year now. It feels like it's been a very, very long year. Um, but I think probably the best place to start is April, where we launched lots of new and exciting things, counselling fund. Uh, somebody else help me out here. <laughs> yeah, we, we launched our new strategy in April of the year. So we launched a new counselling fund. Mm-hmm. We launched an expanded buddy service. Yes. We launched a hospital travel grants fund. We launched... Uh, I thought it was better to let you do uh, it. Yeah, yeah. the strategy. I, yeah. I was suddenly going blank on all of these things. Um, we launched another oh, thing. What was the other thing nurse we launched? Funds. We launched some new nurse bursaries. Yeah. Um, That'll do. That was that was some new I mean, things that, that we launched. That's, all, that's all pretty exciting. Um, <laughs> very very busy year for Elsie. Um, all the new services in April. What would anything else in between that and BCAM that we should mention? Or do you think September was the next big? September was probably the big the mm. next big milestone um, for us as a charity. Obviously, we brought back our spot leukemia campaign for September. Um, bigger and hopefully better than ever before. Um, certainly reached more people than ever before. Um, launched it on our 50th anniversary in the House of Parliament mm-hmm. on the 11th of September, um, where we also, and we also launched a number of new training modules to go alongside okay. it. Um, so we had education for pharmacists, dentists, and opticians, as well as Nick led on the development of some new modules with Gateway C for general practitioners. That's right, the chronic module. That yeah. covered CML and CLL, went live and was launched in September. Um, and then since then... There's also since been... then, there's the acute for AML and ALL that went live in November. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are totally new. Those are an interactive service, a little bit more modern. A um, uh, lot of information on video, um, good patient experiences and case studies. Very good. Very good, and it's the the difference is, is it's backed by NHS and available across the whole of the, of England to to all GPs. And what else have we been doing with GPs across the year? Well, um, we've been continuing with our program of in person workshops to help with early diagnosis and blood cancer understanding, and we all of us have taken part in that. We have. Um, both uh, Charlotte and Zach have um, had to remember the figures and the evidence, and Sam and I have both been patient representatives. Yeah. Um, I've been a chronic, and you've been, uh, been the, the, acute. the acute representative. Yeah. 
stealing all the positive feedback every time. Yeah. So set, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mine really pales in comparison to yours. <laughs> it's actually great being a patient, isn't it, at these events, because we always get the top marks. Yeah. <laughs> so, super. And rightly so. Yeah. 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 Let's be honest. Nobody really wanted a lecture from me on statistics. They were there to listen to you guys. So. Yeah, but September, right, so. September we launched a big, um, we had a, a very large event for uh, Central and West of England. Um, RCGP faculties, very well turned out. And um, we've just been to Wales. We have. Mm. That was very interesting. Um, cold. It was very cold and windy. It was. <laughs> yeah, but it was a nice friendly workshop. It was it a was different great. shape. It was, good. it was nice to actually hear Ruby chatting. And for, for once, when the patient stories and the examples of carer stories were shared, Rather than them being a talking at, it was great in a workshop setting where it was all part of a discussion. So, well done, Sam. Thank you. It worked really well. Yeah, the I whole think you got top marks for that one as well. I did get top marks yeah. for that one. I, I didn't want to boast, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so September was pretty busy. Um, anything else you want to particularly highlight from September? Um, from September? We, I mean, we have... All the mass any... advertising we did was... We, yeah, we Crazy. had we had awareness stuff going on everywhere. I think one of my favourites was probably the BT Tower with yes. its adverts circling all throughout the 11th of September, um, as well as all the buildings lighting up red in general. But I think that was probably my favourite. Yeah. Did you get to see it? Yeah. Yeah, mm. we saw it as we were driving in. It was good. Yeah. I, people kept sending me photos as well. <laughs> I think we got lost on the way up London. We wanted to. <laughs> um, so that took us the wrong way. Yeah, so September was the biggest, I think, spot leukemia we've had. And then, I guess, even though you could say we've been winding up towards Christmas, it's still been a bit manic. We had uh, the Duchess of Gloucester come to visit, um, which we were all at, actually. That was quite exciting. She was really interested in our work. Yeah, it's fair to say. An opportunity to showcase some of the work we do, but also introduce her to patients um, some of the nurses we work with mm-hmm. uh, and really just kind of open up the doors of LC. For me, it was quite nice for people who hadn't been to the offices to come and have a chance to look around and see where we are. Yeah, People we've worked with for, in many cases, years. Still think we're in London. <laughs> it, was quite touch- it was quite touching, actually, because everybody who was there wanted to be there. Yeah. And when you actually sat back and had a look at the role that everybody had played, it was quite significant. Yeah. There's a lot of messages sent back out through social media from everybody of what it meant to them. Mm. It was very successful. And like I said, she was she came across as really, really interested in, in her work. No, oh, HRH really nice. was very well prepared. She was a was thoroughly surprised. lovely lady. Yeah. yeah, she knew a lot about it. Yeah, so we're kind of winding the year to, a, to an end with uh, the Telegraph Christmas Charity Appeal. Um, so actually, want to briefly explain how that came about since you were involved in that. Yeah, so uh, one of the Telegraph editors unfortunately was diagnosed with leukemia, um, and as a result, the employees of Telegraph nominated Leukemia Care to be one of their charities of the year um, when he unfortunately passed away. Um, so they nominated us to be one part of it. We pitched. And we're fortunate to be selected as one of their three Christmas Appeal charities. Mm-hmm. So there's Leukemia Care, there's the Wooden Spoon, and then there's also Silver Line. Um, and each year, the Telegraph chooses three charities, um, basically highlights the work these charities are doing, and also raises 
some money. Um, and obviously that money is absolutely great and it enables us to run more services. But one of the things that's really cool is the opportunity to share stories of people affected by leukemia. Mm-hmm. We've already had, I think, five or six that are in the paper. We've got, we know, at least 10 more in the pipeline to come um, as the campaign runs until the end of January. Um, but really just telling people a little bit more about what it's like to live with leukemia um, and to follow up on our last podcast about the media changing mm. the perception yeah, of how people think about <laughs> think about what leukemia is. Mm. Um, and there's been some really good chronic leukemia stories combating some of those things we were talking about. Which we'll come back into in a moment with Nick, I'm sure. Mm. Yeah. It's a good educational pieces as well of understanding the latest technologies, the CAR-T therapy, understanding where treatments are going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's been, there's a lot of information, so I'm sure it's raising awareness. It's a large audience. Yeah, I mean, the number of people, again, who've reached out to me about saying, people not connected in a work basis going, oh, I didn't know you were, like, the leukemia care was going to be in the, chari- in the telegraph. Yeah, um, yeah, it's been really, really helpful. Um, but I guess that leads us on to, as, a, as that's a Christmas appeal, I thought it would be nice to talk about what it's like to live with leukaemia or go through a diagnosis of leukaemia at Christmas time, which is where Sam and Nick come in today. Um, so, Sam, I want to start with you. Um, do you want to just give a little bit of background to your story and how Christmas is connected to, to various parts of the story, maybe starting with diagnosis to start with. So I was diagnosed in April 2016, and then I received my stem cell transplant in August 2016. And after a stem cell transplant, you have to um, get through the first 100 days mm. um, without too many complications. So my 100 days ended on the 1st of December. And then I had my definitive bone marrow biopsy on the 5th of December and I was obviously waiting for the results then to see if I was in full remission or not Mm. and I found out I was in full remission 10 days before um before Christmas which was amazing I was elated it was the best news ever I'll never ever have a Christmas present that's better than that ever um but because of the complications that I had from the transplant I was becoming more and more ill Mm. throughout December so I'd said to, you know, said to my children on Christmas Eve, I know that I'm going to go into hospital at some point over the next week. I can, I can feel it. And, um, and I did, I did end up in hospital. I spent New Year's in hospital, which was actually lovely because I woke up with the team that saved my life. So that was, that was great. A new year with the team that saved my life. And it was fantastic. Mm. But the whole Christmas in general, trying to do Christmas was just, it was, it was quite horrific because financially at the time that was tough because I wasn't working and mm-hmm. you know all of my finances were being sorted out at that point because I that was the longest period I'd, I'd had out of hospital um <clears throat> I didn't have the energy to do Christmas if I'm honest I didn't want to travel around to see people I just didn't want to get up and get out of my pajamas I definitely was not going to cook Christmas dinner so we ended up having a buffet <laughs> so it's like my children and their dad and, and myself we all just had buffet food throughout the day um, and we didn't really do we didn't really do much we didn't really celebrate Christmas because it was just it was a difficult year and we just thought you know what 
let's just not, let's forego Christmas this year and we'll just start again, reset next year. But I was also not well and I knew I wasn't well. So mm-hmm. it was, yeah, it was difficult to get back on top of things. But it was a great Christmas because I had the best Christmas present ever. So going back to just that point where you found out 100 days, mm-hmm. you got past what is a big milestone. Yeah. At that point, did you feel like Christmas might be a good time or did you still feel unwell at that point? I still felt unwell. I felt unwell for about eight months after mm-hmm. my transplant. So I did still feel unwell and I wanted to try and get into the whole spirit of it but it was I lived in in the center of town so I had to do all of my shopping through internet shopping because I couldn't go into town because there were too many people around and I was going to pick up bugs from these people and you know going into shops at that time was just lethal so uh yeah so that was all dramatically reduced because I just had to shop through the internet and it was yeah it was a bit of a strange time but it was well, I made it to Christmas and I didn't know at the beginning of the year whether I was going to, so... Yeah, I was thinking, because things happen so fast in mm. acute leukaemia from diagnosis to treatment yeah. and so you went straight into transplant pretty much, I guess, did you at that point contrast it to the previous Christmas? Yeah. What was that like? The previous Christmas was epic. <laughs> it was, <laughs> in, in contrast, <laughs> in contrast, it was epic. We had a great Christmas. Um, we all used to go to this local pub. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked there and so did my daughter. So um, they put on this huge Christmas dinner for staff and their families and everything. And we all went there for the day and, you know, we all dressed up. And I woke up with all of my children in one place, which hasn't happened since. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just amazing, you know. Just, I was able to just be me and have a drink and eat as much as I wanted and I could be sociable and yeah. all of those kind of things. And the following year, it could not have been more different. It must have been quite a contrast if you've actually been at work, like in mm. the, at your workplace on Christmas Day, yeah. to then not be, yeah. obviously stopped working mm-hmm. as well. Mm. Yeah, so it was a completely different experience. But... You know, I celebrated Christmas and that was my, apart from my birthday that was like five weeks before, that was my next big milestone was to make it to Christmas. So, and I did. Well, happy Christmas. Thank you. You're looking very Christmas. I am looking very Christmas. You'll see me on the podcast video. Um, How about Nick? What was, what was your first Christmas after diagnosis like? Oh, I think, I think the way to look at it, it's, it's a, different experience mm. it's lots lots of different experiences i think that's it's points along the longer journey mm-hmm. um so diagnosis wasn't very clear cut and my life was different at the time you know um, the kids were younger and do you want to just say like what years was in so yeah i think an idea of time scale all right on a time scale 2008 mm-hmm. so 2008 um I had other issues and I'd been hospitalised, I think, for a stroke, something of that nature. And whilst they were looking into that, some keen-eyed radiologist spotted a node somewhere that shouldn't be there. And then all hell had let loose and it was in the run-up to Christmas, about two or three months before Christmas. And, um, of course, you then get hauled into the office because and then you have to CT scan and things of that nature and they light up and nodes being excised, taken out, for want of a better word, or aspirated where they pull the fluid out lots and lots of tests and the wrong tests yeah so um family very anxious 
a partner really engaged. So we were in the books online. We'd already partially diagnosed myself. And, and then we go into Christmas still uncertain, the knot in your stomach, it's dragging on. Didn't realise that that was going to be part of the journey long term, you know. So Christmas was tricky. Young kids make them feel great over Christmas. Inside, you're at home, your insides are being eaten out. Um, and then get a diagnosis around about February, you know, a eureka moment. Um, CLL, leukemia. What? What's mm-hmm. this? But time is, is a strange thing. You know, chronic leukemias are by nature and they're mainly slow growing. Initially, you're given time for the doctors to watch how aggressive it is for you to come to terms, but it takes a couple of years. So I think the first year after Christmas, I think still didn't feel, that first Christmas diagnosis still didn't feel the same. Second year, everything was pretty cool, back to normal as best as possible. So fair to say, just to contrast the two, that you Mm. both had some element of uncertainty, despite the fact your diagnoses are different, you weren't... (laughs) sure how you were going to pan out because you were acutely unwell in hospital and you weren't even sure what was wrong with you at that point so it must have been difficult in different ways but essentially I'd say a long period of time interspersed by really inconvenient moments of panic yeah so you know I don't know I so many years down the line I needed treatment Mm. um and of course it was inconvenient it happened to be November when my um, chemo started, and it happened to be Christmas Day when I took my second load of chemo tablets. So be it. You know, inconvenience. It wasn't panic. You know, by then, sort of same type of treatment as you might have, you know, with another leukemia, just at a different time scale. So I was prepared for it. It just happened at Christmas. Circumstances were different in my life um, because my life had moved on. I was on my own, so it was kind of isolated. It wasn't a bad thing for me, though, because quite frankly, I didn't really want loads of kids and people coming to the door and things of that nature. Mm. But it was an interesting time because I really found out who my best friends were, or my friends I didn't even know were. Um, It's amazing how good people can be at Christmas. It's amazing how people can be good to you. You know, I wasn't able to go outdoors. I wasn't able to go and shop. I was ill on the couch. You know, I didn't react very well to chemo. I was needed blood, red blood to breathe and I needed everything else and um, every day there was a bank shopping outside my front door. So Christmas that year was a month and a half later because I couldn't tolerate much more of the chemo so we all got together, all of those friends were looking after me and we had Christmas sort of just after January and we had mm. a stocking good Christmas. That's the thing about Christmas, it's not a day, it's a feeling or spirit I don't want to get touchy-feely but you know what I mean it's a for some people it's just a an experience rather than it doesn't have to be on the day no I totally agree and you can create that experience another time which I think well I was talking to you about it today I've got a friend who's not feeling too good at the moment and Mm -hmm. you know my daughter runs has got busy life you know hands up she's you know at uni and everything else so it's like we might go and do Christmas this weekend so you can do that um, would, you, I, would you recommend doing that to people who are maybe not feeling so well on the day itself? I think not got to, to worry about it. Yeah, maybe just do to it when you it. feel like it. Yeah, because yeah. one of the biggest things is being fatigued. If you if you're carrying the dead weight of living with a cancer, a blood cancer, 
you haven't got the same body clock as you used to have. You might be immune compromised. You worry about the family coming over with their bugs and colds. You've got other processes, medications to take care of. So do it when you feel good. Be open with the family, you know. Um, Because I've got to admit, I was listening to Sam Sam saying you had an epic Christmas Mm -hmm. before your treatment. Boy, I had an epic Christmas the year after my treatment because my immune-related challenges hadn't properly kicked in, and so I didn't know, so I was mm-hmm. ignorant to them. And um, I'd moved, new home, new life. I was in remission. I'd met somebody. Yeah. And I met a great group of people, and that was an amazing Christmas. And then all of those friends that had come together to help me, I was able to pay them back. Yeah. So Christmas, I love Christmas. I love Christmas. Christmas, <laughs> you know... I don't care how old I am. I mean, I'm, I'm a young boy in an old man's body. Because yeah. yeah. c- from anyone who can see the video, it looks like we don't like Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Well, I refuse to be bar humbug, yeah. Yeah. No. Um, <laughs> it's a challenge, yeah. though, and that's, 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 that's the hard thing. You, you want to get out. You want to be able to do what you could. But, you know, let, let's be realistic. You know, children... For me, as a person, is a is a younger person. It's great when the you know my kids have flown the nest and things have moved on. So you feel Christmasly in a different way. Yeah. And I don't know how much now I put down to leukemia because I, you know, can't. I, I feel privileged actually. The journey that um, my leukemia path has taken me through Christmas because I, th- I think empathy for me was probably a dirty word about <laughs> 10, 10 years ago. You know, um, now. <laughs> Um, it's very much the opposite. That's good. Would you agree so, with that? I'd agree with that. Yeah. yeah. What What would you say Christmas is is like for you now, kind of post treatment, looking at it from a different perspective in acute leukemia? So I am more. I'm okay with being on my own. I spent lots of Christmases by myself. I'm spending this Christmas by myself, and I'm actually I'm okay with it. Now, had you said to me five years ago, mm. are you ever going to be okay with being on your own during a period where lots of people usually come together and you see family? I'd be like, hell no. No, no, I wouldn't. No. Mm. But um, I actually love it because I don't have to get out of my pyjamas. I don't have to cook anyone dinner. Mm. I can eat what I If I want to eat chocolate <laughs> all day, I'll eat chocolate all day. I can sit and watch whatever I want on TV or not. I can read a book if I want to. For me, I can do do Christmas or not do Christmas. I can participate in it or not. I can, you know, I can be with my children or not be with my children. So I wouldn't have had that view before. I would have been, it's all about this. It's all about this. And I would have run myself ragged, stressing out because, oh, have I, have I put the turkey in at the right time? Is it cooked? Um, you know, did I manage to put the, the vegetables on at the right time? Am I going to be able to deliver this? Is everybody going to be okay? I know that I'm going to be so tired afterwards that I'll just go to sleep. Mm. And that that was kind of, yeah, I didn't really enjoy it in the way that I should have. Now I just do what I want. And leukemia has helped me just do me. I have worried an awful lot about how it is for other people, what I do for other people. And now I'm just like, I'm just doing me. And that's empowered me to do that. Leukemia has empowered me to do that, which is bizarre. But it has. But in a way, it, it, a lot of people stress about Christmas too much mm. and take it very seriously. Yeah. And 
it would be nice if more people would come to that revelation. Obviously, we don't want more people to get <laughs> ill to get to that revelation, but it would be nice if more people were a bit more chilled It's out. going to happen anyway. It's Christmas just, is going to come. Day. It's going to happen anyway. I love Christmas, but I'm very pragmatic about it. I'm like, I don't care what happens as long as it's nice. Mm. But it's a shame more people aren't like that. But... It's different. To me, it's better. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm fortunate I still can imbibe in a few drinks. It don't seem to disagree with my current medication. <laughs> um, but I do tend to moderate things that I never used to before. I'm a lot more aware. People look at us and say, well, you're looking really well. Um, I think you do change your lifestyle and your expectations. Yeah. So um, it's more about other people as well than it used to be. I must admit, I didn't realise I was self shovels before. So, um, yeah. Whereas I've become more really nice I start being really nice to everybody. People send me prezzies. I would say you've become selfish. You've probably become more selfish, but in a. More self aware. Yeah. Self aware. Look after yourself more. You probably yeah. used to do everything for everyone. I did. Else you and never consider yourself. Yeah. Whereas. Yeah. You know I don't want to say Nick was the opposite because I didn't know you before, but you were implying that that's what you thought of yourself. I used to excess on lots of and Christmas was a time of excess, not just a time for giving. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so now it's very much a mixed bag. And it's time for reflection as well. This has become very, very touchy <laughs> feeling, more than I thought so. That's what Christmas is all about. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, we're, we're all in advocacy in in different ways um, and we're aware of the challenges that the community have and it's not just the patients it's the family it's yeah, the children absolutely. it's the mothers it's the friends you know there are limitations there um, so we're aware it's a difficult time it's a difficult time outside of the illness you know we're not getting any younger the families are not getting any younger you know um, so yeah it's a I don't know how was it for your family? Do you think Nick's kind of touched on how he was a bit worried about making it nice for the kids, but how how was it for your family the first time when you were ill? It was really it was the whole thing was difficult for them. They dealt with me on their own, mm-hmm. so they were seventeen and twenty two, between seventeen and twenty two, the three of them, um, and they dealt with everything for me. They kept my flat running. They made sure that I had everything that I needed. You know, they were to and from the hospital. They they did absolutely everything. So I think that they felt real pressure to be there on the day. Yeah. We must be there on the day because she's got to get through mm. this first Christmas. Mm. And, you know, I had already told them that I wasn't well. Mm. So it was it was a case of, you know, let's just make this as good as we possibly can for mum because... You know, she's got to make it through this Christmas and she's not very well. And so it was, they were really uncertain. And, you know, those uncertain it, times it was are difficult. frightening times. They're frightening times as well. It was well. difficult because even though you have, you're in remission on the one hand, I was still ill mm. and anything could happen. Mm. You know, I, I had just developed GVHD at that point. Mm. So it was, yeah, it was a little bit difficult for them that mm. first year. And the last thing I wanted to touch on before we wrap up was finances I know you mm-hmm. very briefly mentioned it but do you want to say a bit more before I move on, ask Nick what he thinks of that as well well even now I mean I'm three and a half years down the line now mm-hmm. and I I find myself every year streamlining more and more as I'm going along I'm thinking oh, I, how am I going to do Christmas this year you know how how am I going to make this happen 
because now we have three extra little people in my family, you know? Yeah. So it's, you know, how, how am I going to do this? Because I'm still not back at work yet. And it's, it's getting worse as the years are going on. Yeah. But um, I somehow do. I just somehow do it because I'm an elf. And I make things happen. No, you I make just, all the toys. I make all the toys. <laughs> I make things. I do actually make things. Um, but no, it, it is quite stressful. It Christmas adds to the financial yeah, stress. Yeah, it does indeed. I mean, it does for everyone, but even more so when you're. I'm already looking forward to January ones. at this point. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no it's, it is it is stressful. But I think it makes you think outside of the box more when it comes to presents and things like that. So you're a little bit more creative. I have a slightly different perspective on it. Okay. I think from a point of view that I had a chronic illness that had got me to a point which had debilitated me to some degree, and. I therefore chose a lifestyle to accommodate that. Maybe mm. didn't do as much as I could have done. So the burden fell upon my partner a lot more. And mm. I think that's what some people call it. If one, if one of the income earners or the two yeah. halves of a partnership are, are unwell, then the burden to try and deliver falls mm. upon that other person. Yeah. So I think that's an incredible strain. Um, and, you know, I also reflect on periods of illness you know, I lent on that person. I relied very, very much. Mm. You know, now um, I'm fully aware, you know, and I don't live in fear. You live in fear earlier on in your life with the disease, especially if it's a chronic disease, because mm. you haven't had it long enough to find out what it means. Yeah. Um, is it life-limiting? And if it is, how do you live with it well? You know? So I think the stress was very clear on the family. The, the daughters, the first time around, to be honest, they were none the wiser. They just knew I wasn't very well. Mm. Um, now it's different, you know, from a point of view that you cut your cloth accordingly, you know. Going through treatment, I was able to close the door. I was on my own with my dog. Um, so my expectations weren't that high. And my kids knew that they couldn't see me. So we just did it all a little bit later. But financially, um, you know, I've moved forward. So I'm able to work through Christmas I'm going through a second treatment now. Um, so. It's better, slightly better. Yeah, yeah. So things get better, you know, and, and I think that's one thing is it's, it's a bit of a journey, and I wouldn't say it's a roller coaster like some people describe it. Yeah. I think it's just evolving if you have a chronic disorder. You know, there's, there's nothing written, it's, there's, the uncertainties come to be your advantages so I'm positive I'm full of Christmas cheer well I was going to ask you both to round up with a positive whether yeah. you've done it well is there anything either of you to Zach feel free to chip in something positive to end on well I get to spend Christmas this year with another baby yes. in my family mm-hmm. I've had a granddaughter for every year of remission wow. so far <laughs> let's hope that doesn't continue I, forever well I'm, I'm just I'm just I'm wondering her who's going to take now going on oh my god yeah. I'm, I'm wondering who's going to take year four that's all you know looking at my children who's taking next year um but no it's <laughs> um this year it's it's completely it's completely different for me because I you know my family are all around me they all live really close by and and I you know I, I can't wait for it I really can't I can't wait because the girls are at that age where they're ripping open presents now and that's very exciting Zach, in terms of just for everyone listening at home, if they want some advice over Christmas, we are open until half 12 on Christmas Eve, is that right? The helpline is open until Christmas Eve, yeah. So if someone wants to get in touch over the festive period in the run-up to Christmas, 
they can do so, um, whether that's social media, whether that's reaching out to the helpline, um, whether that's attending some of the support groups that are meeting in December. Uh, all of our services are open until Christmas Eve, and then they'll reopen again in the new year. Online communities that we have are also populated by patients and the community. So those resources are always there for people yes. during yeah. the Christmas period. Yeah, that's a good idea for, yeah. for Christmas. Eh? Good point. Well, thank you for listening, everyone. I hope you all have a lovely Christmas and a very happy new year. And we'll see you in 2020. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. <laughs> thank you for listening to this episode of Leukemia Chatters. For more information and support from Leukemia Care, go to our website, leukemiacare.org.uk, or call our helpline 08088 010 444. See you next month.